All right, Justin, since this is a musical, sing me the song that I'm thinking about right now. And it has to come from a musical? No, it doesn't. You're thinking of a musical? No, I'm not, oh. actually. I, you know what? I'm actually yeah. going to give you a hint. I am going to give you one hint. This is the only hint I will give both of you. It's technically a song we have talked about on the podcast before during this segment and other segments. Hmm. Can't go wrong with a Yeezy guess. So I'm going to go back to the um, run away as fast as you can. Let's have a toast for the douchebags. Let's have a toast for the assholes. Is it that one? Please, God, please. All right, it's not that one. But, but Justin, I will give you point three points. But unfortunately, since we only deal in whole number points, we'd have to round that down and you get zero. But I tried. I tried to give you a point, Justin. It's just rounding. Oh I can't help the rounding. Damn it. I tried. I did my best. I went to the judges. So I argued your case to the judges, and the judges were like, nope, that's the rules. Round it down. I tried. I was like, well, what if we bumped it up to a point four? And they were like, nope, round it down. Like, damn it, tried. Yeah. I did my best, Justin. I did my best. Judges are strict. They are. They're sticklers for these rules. All right, Heather, what about you? What's the song? It's a song that we've talked about during this before okay um there's so many that we've talked about um and then i'm like drawing a blank on any of it um let's see one that we've talked about before hmm I'm going to go with, here's my number, so call me maybe, <laughs> just because it's always a catchy song. But nope, not it. Mm. I was thinking of that somewhat creepy violin cover of Toxic. Of Toxic. Are you kidding me? I literally... Literally almost did that one. No joke. Man. I just, I'm I listened, very disappointed. I listened to it earlier today and I decided that was going to be my song for this game. I legit was like, I'm going to do Britney. And then I was like, you know what? Nah, I'll try something different. Man, I really would have had it. Yeah, because I bought the single. So when I was working earlier, it was on my playlist. So. It's a good call. I mean, of the two guesses, though, Jastin made the smartest play of just going with some Yeezy. Yeezy. I mean, it's it really is the smartest play. If I'm saying, think of a song, go, going Yeezy is never the wrong route. You might have the wrong answer, but it's never the wrong route to go. But, alas... 
no points for either one of you. At least it's not like where last week, where I thought I was literally giving you guys just like the easiest song in the world to get. And you both failed. Anyway, I guess here's our song. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight, we are talking about the in theaters and on HBO Max movie, In the Heights. We will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with it. And we will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. I finally fucked that up. Way to go, me. And there will be time codes in the description to allow you to bounce around if you so desire. And with that, Chastin, what are your thoughts on In the Heights? Yeah, I thought that In the Heights was a lot of fun, man. Um, I think that this was um, a very good musical. it was very well done, um, being that Lin-Manuel Miranda was a producer on this and had his hand um, all over this. Uh, you could definitely feel the the Hamilton vibes. And from what I understand, there are a lot of Hamilton Easter eggs in this as well, too, but um, but neither here or there. But you could definitely feel that. There, there was some... When it comes to the music, you you heard just a lot of different things. There was a lot of Latin culture in the music. There was hip-hop in the music. There, there was this kind of mixture of it throughout. Um, there are so many catchy songs in this. So this is one where I could see some... Where I could see people watching this and then appreciating the soundtrack and probably getting some of that on, on your phone. Um there's probably one song in particular that I that I definitely could see myself jamming to. So, and that was just one coming off the top of my head. But man, there there are so many that are just good. Um, visually, I think that this just looks great. Like the way that they captured some of the dance numbers or where they were um, in the in Washington Heights and New York and all that stuff, the way that they sort of charted, like there would be these moments where almost like maps would pop up and they would do all these little artistic things and showing you where people were located and things like that to really just give you an idea of this Washington Heights and the different locations and stuff like that. So the more they talked about it and the more that, you were shown visually, the more it just felt like a real place. It felt like a familiar place. They just did such a good job of giving the location life. So that's definitely a compliment that I want to give this because not every film does that well or does that successfully. And, um, and, and especially if you're somebody who is, um, 
Puerto Rican or Dominican or anything like that or of Latin descent. I mean, there's just a lot of that culture in this. So, I mean, and, and it really, that's what this is. It's a celebration of that culture. So even though I didn't understand everything that was being said or there were times where they, they would just uh, speak purely in their language— and I was cool with it. Like, like, even though I didn't understand everything, the, they were always good about coming back and kind of explaining what they were talking about and things like that. So I was never lost, even when I couldn't understand all the dialogue. And I liked it. I liked how this was just unapologetically um, its culture. And it, it really was just about that. So I really just appreciated that. And um, one thing that I had said to you two earlier, but I'm going to kind of repeat it here, is that one thing that I loved about this was just how, was just how diverse it was. And, and not just so much like, oh, I saw people of different colors, because you definitely see that. You see Latin people, there are black people in this. You see people of all the the color spectrum in this but what i also loved is that there were people of different shapes and sizes different body types big small children um young adults older um older adults all engaged in these numbers so when these people are doing these dance numbers you, not only are you seeing a neighborhood represented which of course would have different people in it right would have children would have young adults would have older mature adults whatever all of that you would see if it was a real neighborhood you would see that so i like how in the dance numbers all those people were dancing you know, so whether we were at a pool or whether we were on the street in Washington Heights, you just saw so many different people. And it's so cool that all of these different people got to be confident and strong. And, you know, everybody was sort of represented in those numbers as just um you know, that they all seemed important because they were all a part of this community. And so that sense of community, that sense of uh, pride for your culture just really shined through in all of that, I thought. So, and, and then on top of that, the cinematography is great. It's very colorful to look at. And there are some, what I think are, were just some jaw-dropping special effects in some of the numbers. There was a, a particular dance scene with two people, not to say too much or who it was, but man, it was just so visually pleasant and it was just amazing how they got some of those shots and everything like that so just even the use of special effects and the camera moving every which way and we're on the side of a building then we're on top of a building and all that i mean it was whimsical and magical and i just loved all of it so i mean i really think that this as far as the summer movies and stuff like that, and this is another one where I'm really glad that I saw it in the movie theater because that's where I watched it. So I got to hear it with the sound on full, and, I, and actually, I was the only one in there, as a matter of fact. So uh, I don't know what that means as far as about how this is doing at the box office, but um, but 
I was happy that I went and saw it that way because I got to witness, because I got to see this in surround sound. The music was blaring, and I found myself just kind of rocking to what was happening on screen and what I was listening to and what I was seeing. And then the last thing I'll say about it is that at the heart of it, I think there's this really good story here, too, about these people and having dreams and what that actually means and what and 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 how that meaning can change be different can come to pass or come true in so many different ways so i really think that this was an excellent effort by all involved i think that the, and this was great and i thought that the cast members did exceptionally well i thought anthony ramos was a great lead um as navi in this um man and there were so many other people leslie grace um as nina i really liked that character too uh cory hawkins showed up as benny that they were all just great characters um that 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 really stood out to me. Um, so and there were some other standout performances that I'll definitely go into. But yeah, man, I really loved the cast. They were bright, they were energetic, and all of them in their own way just lit up the screen when they were on it. So this wasn't boring, even though this is over two hours long. I was never bored. My eyes were wide open, just in awe of what I was seeing and just how well it was choreographed and just how all the songs just came together at the end. So yeah, it was like, um, it gave me so many vibes of what I felt when I watched Hamilton. And it really, I'm not saying that this is as good as Hamilton or is as well done as Hamilton, but I mean, I feel like it it's very much in the spirit of it and what it tries to do, the the solid message that it tries to tell and the and the characters and the dance numbers. I really think that this was an excellent follow-up for Lynn Manuel and um and and the director and crew. So all in all, a very good film. I enjoyed it. Heather, what about you? I thought this was great. I, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, I, you know, I've always said, or for a while I've said, I, I'm hit or miss with musicals. They're not like my preferred, like I love all musicals, but there are some that are just so good. And this is really up there with that. I think that Lin-Manuel Miranda is kind of a genius, honestly, when it comes to just his creativity and his writing and his, you know, how he makes music. And I, I just think he's a creative genius. And I love everything that I've seen him do or in even. I just think he's really great. So, uh, and I'm also glad that he shows up here in this movie. It's great. And, um, it's not really a spoiler for anybody. And, um, I do think that the cast was great. I really specifically want to talk about Anthony Ramos because he was fantastic. I've, I've been a fan of him for a while. I think he has a beautiful voice. I think he did a great job in Hamilton playing both characters that he played. Um, I've seen him in a few other things too. Um, I, I just think that he he is such a good leading man. Like I've never seen him as a leading man before. And he really, really just did his thing. I thought he was great. 
I I would love to see him in more leading roles. Um, I I just think that he he sold this character for me. He sold Uznabi for me. Um, he he was so great and very natural. He was um, very charming, but very shy, and you know he he was just a very endearing character, and um, he he just really played that very well. So, and I mean, there's a lot of of people in the cast. Like I I loved the uh, the hair salon ladies. I thought they were hilarious, and they were really great addition and piece of this film. And um, I loved uh, the the little cousin, Sonny. He was great. Um, every, everybody was great in this. Everybody was cast really well. Um, I think visually, this is a stunning movie. It's vibrant. It's, um, it's beautiful. It's loud. It's colorful. And it's just really, you can just tell how much... Lin-Manuel Miranda loves where he's from and, um, you just see it in kind of every aspect of this film. Um, I think, oh, and Benny, uh, I, I can't believe I almost forgot to mention him. I think his voice was incredible. Uh, Corey Hawkins. And I think Corey Hawkins is a great actor. I remember him from a couple of other things. He was in black Klansmen and he, I just think that he's a great actor. Um, and I didn't know he could sing. So that was a fun surprise. So, yeah. And then, um, of course, I got to shout out Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, who plays one of the nail salon girls. I'm sorry, hair salon girls. Um, She was great. She was the absolute opposite of what you see her in in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, she was so funny. And I I was excited to see what she would do in this film. And she was awesome in it. So, Everybody brought it. It's such a beautiful and creative, like this is the type of musical that I think could make people who don't like musicals like musicals. (laughs) I was even talking to a friend of mine a couple of days ago. Um, She's not really a musical fan, but she was like, you know what? That kind of looked good. I kind of want to see that movie. So um, I just, I think it is a movie that can kind of redefine or or sort of show you that musicals aren't just one thing. And, um, you know, like you, it's classified as a musical, but they just do so many different things, so many styles of music, a uh, really great underlying story behind it, really funny moments, like the, the funny parts really landed, um, some really emotional moments, just some really great celebratory moments in general. And just a great story about, you know, the people that live in this, in this neighborhood and who are they, what do they want out of life? What are they going to do? And it just, it's such a great storytelling that they do here. And I think every aspect of this film, it's fun, it's hopeful, it's just really, you know, it's catchy. (laughs) Everything about it is just so great. And I agree with Jastin in that it's a great summer movie. Like, this is kind of the epitome of what you would want to a summer movie to be. So, yeah, I absolutely love this. Oh, this is a tough one for me. Because, like, story-wise, I loved it. Acting-wise, I loved it. Song-wise, I was slightly above lukewarm for it. 
just for the sheer fact that I knew Hamilton before I knew this. And it's kind of becoming very obvious that Lin-Manuel kind of uses the same song structure a lot, like melodic themes and everything. And I know Mm. he doesn't necessarily write the book part of it, you know, with directly like the actual musical notes and melodies and stuff. He kind of more or less writes the words for it. But, yeah, I mean, he has hands in it, and, oh, they feel very similar in a lot of ways. And unfortunately, instead of seeing this first or knowing this musical first, to me it sounds like it's at times it rips off Hamilton, when technically it should be the other way around. Lin-Manuel wrote in the Heights as, you know, the play well before Hamilton. You know what I mean? But... Oh, it feels very Hamilton to me. Like, there are times I'm like, oh, I heard that melody nine different times in Hamilton. You know, the the song that the grandmother sings right before her big event in the movie, because I almost spoiled that. Um, a lot. that They have very similar melodies to uh, a lot of the songs uh, Angelica would sing in Hamilton. Mm. Uh, a lot of the way... They do some of the raps for uh, Usnavi, rips off Hamilton, or it didn't rip off Hamilton, but it's you get the same like structures with stuff in Hamilton, um, you know. So it's very much a Lin Manuel thing, and so I'm like, I kind of just wish it wasn't the same. I wish there was a little bit more difference with some of that stuff. I think this movie is one of the most beautifully shot musicals I've ever fucking seen in my life. Yeah. John Chu fucking knocked it out of the goddamn park with that. But yeah, I had real problems with the sound mixing at times though. Like there were times I couldn't hear the vocals over the music or the background shit. And I'm like, it's a fucking musical. That's the shit I should be hearing more than anything. One of the early songs in the movie, uh, oh, it's, it's it's when they're all in the fucking pool and shit, right? With the lotto numbers and stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, what, 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 was the, what was the main female's name? Vanessa? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vanessa was singing. Benny was singing. Usnavi was singing. All different things, because, you know, that's a musical thing where they're all, they're singing their own themes over each other, right? But then you also had background characters, like, what would essentially be the chorus or the line, were singing, like, singing 96 grand over and over again. And then at certain times during that part, I had no fucking clue what anybody was saying. Because the vocals were mixed so fucking low into it. Like... They weren't doing anything to make them shine. And so I'm, and, and maybe it's because I, but especially when I deal with audio, I'm dealing strictly with audio and I'm dealing strictly with vocals. I haven't mixed with music in a very long time. Um, the last time I mixed with music was an episode of the Happy Corner where they did a live show with a band. And I mean, I say a band, it was, you know, a guitar player and a, uh, uh, fiddle or violin player and they would sing too you know so I was just mixing guitar fiddle and vocals but like and then before that I mean it would be shit damn near like 15 years was the last time I mixed with music 
But like, I did not like the way it was mixed at times. I just, I had no fuck. I couldn't hear it. I could not hear the vocals. Now I get it. I'm a relatively deaf human being. My hearing is shot from back from playing music. I used to play drums for years. And I didn't wear hearing protection for most of it. It was towards the end of me playing drums is when I started wearing hearing protection. And honestly, at that point, it was a little too late. I'd already done a lot of damage to my fucking ears. You know, because also a majority of me playing drum set outside of like the high school band and stuff like that, me playing drum set was like heavy metal drums. A lot of crash cymbals. It's a lot of loud shit constantly and not wearing hearing protection for it. You know, my hearing's fucking wrecked. So that could be part of it. But at one point, because, you know, I'm a gadget person. I've got a lot of fucking gadgets. And I do have the the Apple AirPod Maxes, which are the -the over-the-ear headphones. They give you really good sound. They do spatial audio. They can mimic Dolby Digital surround sound in headphones. I threw those fuckers on for this because I wanted to hear the sound. I wanted to hear the music. It's the most important thing in this. So I wanted the best possible way of capturing that, that I have. I don't have a surround sound system, so that was my way of doing it. You know, so I was doing, like, using something to hear the highest possible quality of sound I could. And I was still having problems fucking hearing it at times. That's not good for a musical. And so at times, I felt like, weirdly enough, the songs and the sound mixing let down the visuals and the acting performances that were fucking happening. And that's kind of disappointing. Like, I want to like some of these songs more. But they got a little too muddled. You know? That scene with the swimming pool, when they're singing the 96 Grand, the parts I understood I thought were really great, and I thought visually, as kind of cheesy as that scene is visually, like a bunch of people dancing in a swimming pool, it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> like, the idea is cheesy. If you just go, hey, you want to see a dance yeah. number in a swimming pool? You go, oh, sure. I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, but it's fucking fantastic. It's one of my favorite dance numbers in this entire fucking movie. Fucking yeah, loved it. It's good. Yeah. But then the song was ruined for me because I couldn't fucking tell what was going on. That sucks. You know? Like, just going through this movie and not getting, like, sound mixing to match the detail they put into the visuals really sucked. It felt like this movie was sound mixed by somebody that just does normal-ass movies. It was mixed like a normal movie would be mixed, which is sometimes fine, because that's meant to mimic real life sometimes, where sometimes when somebody's speaking, it's a little louder or a little softer. You know, you get dynamics in vocal range and stuff like that. That's fine in that, in a normal movie. You know, because sometimes you want somebody to speak softly, causing your audience to, like, have to really focus and pull in. Like they're hearing, like like somebody's whispering in their ear. You want that that sense in them, you know? 
And sometimes you want somebody to be really loud to like really kind of get your audience off guard or like to, to pull back a little bit because of how loud and maybe abrasive it sounds. Maybe putting them in the shoes of somebody that's getting yelled at. That's all great for a fucking normal movie. Not fucking good when people are singing, you know? And while this movie does a lot of words in Spanish, like, I have no fucking clue what they're saying at all. No problem with that. I figured if I needed to know it, I probably would have, you know? But sometimes with it being in Spanish, it was to really tie into the culture it was trying to portray. And you would get the emotional notes from the melody, even if you don't know the words. So you can still connect with it. Fine with that. But when they would have some scenes like that, where they are singing in Spanish, and the vocals are mixed so low that I can't even get some of the emotion out of the vocals because I can't quite hear them. It just becomes a muddled noise mixed with a song. And so I can't even connect with it on that level. And that really, really wrecked me with this movie. Because like I said, it's probably the most beautifully shot musical I've ever fucking seen. I think as much as I loved the visuals in Chicago, I think this beats it. Wow. But Chicago would win as far as a musical movie goes. Because I could understand the fucking songs. I could hear the vocals in the songs. You know, I could hear that they were singing what they were singing. Even the scene where, isn't it like a Russian woman is singing in prison? I don't know what nationality mm-hmm. or language yeah. she was singing in. Yeah. She was Russian, yeah. I have no fucking clue what she says. No fucking clue. But I could hear her words. I could hear the emotion. And tie that in with the visuals. And understand what's going on. Some of the times when they were singing in Spanish, I couldn't. I couldn't get the emotion out of the vocals. And I, that made me really sad. And I don't feel like I should have came out of this movie feeling kind of sad. The ending told me I shouldn't be sad. But I kind of was. Because I don't feel like I was able to connect with this movie like I should have. Because of some of those things. And it's kind of a bummer. It truly is. Uh, recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yep. Recommendations and score. Uh, Justin, go ahead and go. Yeah, I'm going to recommend that. I think that it's a, a, a very good musical. So if you're somebody who likes musicals, if this is the genre for you, then yeah, you're definitely going to want to check this out because it is well done, it is well acted, and it does have some catchy singing. Um, And I think that uh, just for it to also uh, be so diverse and just bursting with a lot of Latin culture and Dominican culture and um, Puerto Rican. I mean, a lot of that stuff is represented here. And even though I don't come from my culture, from that culture myself, I definitely know 
and understand what it's like to want to be represented, to see people that look like you on screen and how inspiring that can be and just how, um, and it's nice to see your culture represented, your, the food that you eat represented, the, you know, different things like that. And all of that is in here. It really is a love letter um, to, to that culture. So I think that if you're someone of that culture, I just really think that you would enjoy this for the most part. I think that that you would recognize some things in your culture and that you would like to see them and the conversations that they have. I just really think that there are people that would enjoy this far more than I did because they come from there and they understand it and they've been there and they, they've eaten those, those foods and they've said those things to each other and they know someone that is like this hair salon character or whatever the case may be. I just feel like there are so many people out there that would enjoy this on on levels that where I couldn't possibly enjoy it because of the perspective that they have. So I definitely encourage them to see it and go out and support this and support representation. You know, this is an important film because we need more films like this. We we want more films like that in Hollywood. So yeah, I think that this is one that you should support. And not only for all those reasons, but even just for the fact that it is a good film. Um, like we've all said, it's well shot. It's got very good. It's got great vocals and music and dance numbers and choreography. And it's got compelling characters and a very well done story. And there, and even though there were some narrative things that maybe I had a problem with, and I'll talk about some of those narrative things in the spoilers, but really, I mean, it, it but even though those nitpicks aside, I really think that this is very good. And I think that it is just one of those summer movies that a lot of people will enjoy. And I do recommend that you see this in the theater if you get a chance. But if not, of course, HBO Max is always just fine. So with that being said, we're going to give this a... Yeah. We're we're going to give this a score of... We'll go... 87 um bursted fire hydrants oozing water everywhere as people dance on top of the sidewalk streets of the heights out of a hundred heather what about you yeah, I definitely recommend it. I think um it's just a lot of fun. It's entertaining. It's got it's got everything that you want in a musical. Um, I think that, yeah, Sterling, you did bring up some good points that honestly I didn't even think about, but, um, so it's, it's just kind of cool to hear it from a perspective of, you know, someone who doesn't listen to the sound mixing as much maybe because I'm just like enjoying the music too much to like, I guess, pick that out. But, uh, no, it's a good point though. But yeah, I think it is, definitely worth watching. I think it's worth your time. Um, again, like I think people who aren't even musical fans will like this movie and kind of see that, oh, so this is what musicals can be like. This is how fun musicals can be. This is what a great storytelling aspect a musical can have. You know, this is the good acting that a musical can have and and so on and so forth. So I think it, it does 
a really great job of that and and the representation that Lynn Manuel Miranda just does with this in so many ways. I think it is great. I think it's important and it's really, really cool that he created um, just this world that is part of his world growing up. I think it's really awesome that he shared that with us and he did it in such a beautifully visual way um, or <laughs> visually beautiful way. So it's it's definitely one I think that you will enjoy. I, I liked it a lot. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it 88 green crabs painted on a mural out of a hundred. My issues aside, I do recommend this because worst case, like I said, it's one of the most beautifully shot musicals you could ever watch. I was infinitely more excited about this than I am about Steven Spielberg's West Side Story coming out later this year. Because <laughs> who the fuck wants to watch West Side Story again? Dear God. But right. this was something fun, unique. Um, Like I said, I had issues with it, but I may be in the minority with that. You know, maybe because of me constantly sound mixing shit all the fucking time, especially focusing on vocals. That's an issue I notice because I guarantee when I mix this podcast, there are going to be times I have issues with the audio that I can't fix for whatever reason. And it's going to drive me nuts. No one else is going to hear it. I hear it. And it drives me nuts. So maybe that's part of it. But overall, I still think it's worth a viewing. Overall, I think it's, very well done in a lot of ways. But when it comes to giving it a score, I do have to take points off for how I feel about it because it did affect my viewing of it. And ultimately, that's all I can base my scoring on is my viewing of it. Not what I think it could have been or anything like that. I have to base it off what I felt while watching it. And for that, I'm going to give it a 71. 71, this movie really want me, what made me want a uh, Café Con Leche. Really fucking bad. Out of 100. <laughs> uh, spoilers? Yes. Yep. Spoilers. Now, I think first and foremost, guys, I need to ask you a question to start this section off. Super hot summer day. What do you prefer, a snow cone or ice cream? Mm. Ice cream. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, ice cream. Oh, you guys are fucking weird. No, nah, I would totally go with the shaved ice, that snow cone. <laughs> I wouldn't I just don't want a lot of dairy when it's fucking hot out. Like I'm I'm sitting outside sweating balls and shit. I don't want fucking dairy. That sounds terrible. <laughs> the last thing in the world I think of. I would be down for that fucking snow cone. Every time. But that scene was good because it was a nice little tie-in, Justin, like you were talking about with the Hamilton reference. You know, the Mr. Softy was the guy that played uh, George Washington in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And was also in that uh, that musical group that Lynn Momwell was in. They did, like, the acapella freestyle raps and shit. And I can't think of their name right now either. But, yeah, there was a good little Hamilton reference there. 
Um, so I guess my my next thing too is another question. So did you guys have the same issues with the sound that I had? Or was that just a non-factor for you guys? Like specifically. Because I know Heather brought it up, but I'm just saying like in general, like Yeah. I honestly it, it for me it wasn't a problem. I, I didn't notice it just because the music itself was so enjoyable. I guess it just didn't catch my attention that it was bad sound mixing. Yeah, I didn't notice it either. Um, and I don't know how you guys watched it, if you watched it, you know, on a device or if you went to the theater, but in the, but you know, I didn't notice it at all in the theater. So yeah. Yeah, I went to the totally theater. Totally got too. by me. Oh, okay. So, but yeah, that totally got by me. You know, I wonder if on a second watch, if I'm listening for it, will I notice it? But I didn't watching it in the theater at all. So. Yeah. I mean, maybe in the theater with that legit Dolby digital fucking Atmos surround sound, you know, with those huge ass <laughs> fucking speakers, maybe you don't have that issue. Um, I watched it on a TV, but like I said, I used my, you know, really nice headphones for it. They were designed for shit like that, designed to give me that surround sound ex- like experience with it. And I got that. I got the surround soundness of it all. It's just those vocals at times just could not cut through the music for me. So, I mean, and like I said, maybe that means, maybe that really was just a problem for me. You know, maybe it is partially my hearing. Maybe the fucking vocal range that most of this, like, or scenes of this movie were in is the exact fucking range that is shot my ears. Maybe. You know, but... Yeah, just at times. What was uh what was her name? The uh Jimmy Smith's daughter's name in this. Nina. Yes. Her especially. God, I could not get some of her songs. Her vocals did not cut through to me. That song she sang about coming back to the heights, I was struggling to fucking hear what she was saying. At one point I stopped it, rewound it. Started listening again. I couldn't really get it. Went back and then put subtitles on. So I could fucking get it. But I didn't want to do that for the whole fucking movie. Because, like I said, it's a visually spectacular fucking movie. You know? So I didn't want to, like, cut through that the whole time. By having subtitles on the fucking screen. Um... Like there was parts towards the end of the movie in that the 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 song about Carnival, when lots of people are singing like slightly different things and stuff like that. Nope, completely lost me because it all muddled together for me. Oh, I love that song. That was one of my favorites. When I whenever when I could hear the vocals, I thought it was great. <laughs> when I could hear it, I thought it was great. Just at times, you know, when they were kind of all singing about their own nationalities represented in there you know and they're all starting to sing it at the same time nope completely lost me again even then i know i didn't know the words because they were in spanish but i still lost it i still couldn't really like like i said it just becomes noise and not because it was in spanish because they all like all the vocals just blended together so much i couldn't even hear distinct words you know, and like, oh, that made it so rough at times. 
Like, I think Nina's vocals were the worst for me. Uh, which really sucked because that song she did with Benny towards the end, the times I could understand what she was singing, I really liked that song. But then at times I couldn't fucking hear her through the music and it would lose me. And that seemed like a very emotionally like powerful song. And when, when your connection to it goes in and out, oh, it fucking fails. And that sucked because also, also that was one of my, that was probably one of my favorite visuals in the movie was them fucking dancing up the side of that building and shit. I thought that was so well done. And I mean, you could see a little bit of the obvious CGI effects they did with that because they're people. They can't actually dance up a building. You know, you could get some of it, but they did so good at just dance, like the way they were dancing, the choreography with it, that it made you focus on them more than the background. And it took the edge off the CGI-ness of it all. But, oh man, I really wish I understood what she was singing more. Like, yeah, I just, I would lose her so much. And she was a very interesting character. I really liked her character. So it killed it even more. Oh man. Yeah, I think she was way more interesting than Vanessa. Oh, yeah, she was one of my favorite characters in this. Her and, uh, what's his name, Sammy? Oh, I love those characters. Sammy. Which one was Sammy? I thought it was great. Like, I thought their story was great, but, like, man, uh. But, like, uh, no, what I was saying like, with the grandmother right before, like, that song she sings when she essentially is dying. Uh, oh, there, there, there are elements in that, like, melodically that are the exact same in Hamilton like down to the fucking note it's not like it's the same like uh like same melodic structure or something whereas you know it's the same like structure but different notes no they were spot on the same fucking notes as some of the songs that Angelica sings and that was a little bit jarring to me because instantly when that happened I think Hamilton you know which I don't blame this movie for that, but it, it, it alters your experience while watching it because it doesn't feel like it's a Hamilton Easter egg. Like, you know, seeing George Washington in it or uh, when Jimmy Smith's character is on hold with Stanford and it's playing uh, You'll Be Back from Hamilton, the, the song that the king sings. Like, that's the whole music is that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not the words, but it's the melody. It's, you know, it's just like a elevator version of that. Um, so, you know, that's like those Hamilton Easter eggs. That's cool and all. But like, like I said, whenever I hear an exact melodic thing that was also in Hamilton, I'm then thinking about Hamilton during the song. You know, like I'm thinking of the song in Hamilton and no longer the song that's happening on the screen. And like I said, I don't necessarily blame this movie for that, just for the sheer fact that like that song was written before Hamilton. So if realistically speaking, Hamilton ripped it off, even though it's, it's the same guy, you know, it's Lin-Manuel and the same guy that wrote the book, you know, for it, the musical book for it. So, you know, it's their theme. It's something that they put in their stuff and that's fine. 
It's just, I know Hamilton so well. That's what I go to. Uh, I do agree with you though, Heather. Like I loved, uh, I love seeing Stephanie Beatrice in this. Uh, and playing something that's more closely like to her, you know? Right. I think it's so funny that like her in real life is like 290% the exact opposite of Rosa Mm -hmm. on on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And this is very much what she is in this movie. That's very much more like her real personality. I mean, that's her real voice. As Rosa, she's pitching down her voice the whole time. Right. She's got a very high-pitched voice, a very bubbly voice, you know, which is the voice that Rosa uses when she's making fun of people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's her real voice. And I just thought it was nice being able to actually see her have that in this. Um, I also really liked the uh, the other hairdresser that was from Orange is the New Black. Um, mm-hmm. I thought she was great in this. I liked seeing her in a different role. You know, it was just really kind of fun seeing that. I thought I thought Jimmy Smith was great in this. You know, yeah, and he could be hit or miss, but he was pretty good in this. Yeah, I don't think he's hit or miss as much as some of the roles he just chooses are. Like that's, he's in that's movies true. that are hit or miss. I think he's in generally a good quality actor. I mean, I've got a yeah, connection. Yeah, I can him. see that. Yeah, I mean, I've got a connection to him though, all the way back to what NYPD Blue, right? Great show. I love that show. Worst opening intro song ever, but I love that show. Anyway, um, what else to talk about? Oh, I just want to comment on one last thing, and it's something that is a weird reoccurring theme on this podcast. I think that's why our next off script is going to be based around this theme, but. Oh, man, that food at that fucking dinner scene looks so fucking good. I just wanted to eat it so fucking <laughs> bad. Oh, man, and that flan. Oh, God, it looks so delicious. <laughs> and, like, I actually, I actually ordered uh, some Mexican food the other day, and I got, like, a glass bottle of Coke with that. Oh, man, I forgot how good a glass bottle of Coke is. And then they have that all throughout this movie. And I'm like, man, I want a cafe con leche and I want a fucking glass bottle of Coke. So fucking bad. All this movie made me want. Oh, and that flan. Oh, that flan looked fucking gorgeous. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> I will say this. This movie made me very, very fucking hungry. But I'm I'm trying to slightly be more healthy because I had to get some lab tests done. And apparently I'm just like, Full of all the bad shit you can have. Like triglycerides. (laughs) Nobody actually knows what those fucking are. I don't care if you're a doctor or whatever. Nobody knows what triglycerides are. They just measure them. And apparently I'm like bad on that. My cholesterol is bad. My cholesterol has been bad for 15 fucking years though. I'm not too worried about that. But like every bad thing you could ever have in like a blood test. It's not like a disease. But like just a measurement of you being like a person. Like, I was bad on all of it. So I'm trying to slightly be more healthy. And, like, and instead of just, like, eating, like, an entire bag of potato chips as a snack, I've been trying to eat, like, apples. Or, like, nice. just something not shitty. And don't get me wrong. Like, 
I know people make fun of it all the time, but like sometimes like an apple is just good. You just eat an apple. You're like, oh, that's good. But oh, this movie made me want all the unhealthy shit again. Hmm. I mean, did you see that flan? That flan was fucking downright picturesque. I mean, I know it was probably like a fake prop and it wasn't actually yeah, a flan. Yeah, it looked good. You know, it was probably just some fucking like, they took Elmer's glue and just put it in a mold and just like airbrushed it brown for the caramel. You know, it's probably what they did, but fuck, it looks so good. I just wanted to comment on that because Justin brought up the food in this earlier. I'm not the one that brought it up. So I just wanted to give my <laughs> thoughts on it. Um, Heather, go. Um, yeah, I think that I, I don't know. I think that the, um, the visuals really do just kind of stay with you of this movie. Like, and the songs and the songs are great. Like the, the songs are all catchy, you know, and, and I do actually, when you mention it, uh, Sterling about how they do sound a little bit like Hamilton. And it reminds you of that. I actually, I thought that kind of, um, even in the trailer, the first song that they actually play in the movie that Usnavi is singing, it has a, that very Hamilton, uh, hip hop vibe to it, like the same kind of beat and cadence and things like that. So I actually thought that from that, but I was also like, well, you know, it's only one song. So maybe that's just, it just happens. So it, it and it didn't bother me. It didn't take me out of this being a musical and it being its own separate thing for me. But yeah, no, I just when you were talking about that, I was like, I kind of get that. That makes sense. Um, but all that to say, as good as the songs are, honestly, when I think back on this movie, the things I remember are the visuals and the specific scenes more than I remember the songs. Like, I do remember the songs going with the scenes, but it's just really hard to not think about this movie and be like, oh, that was that beautiful part when everybody was, you know, in the pool doing a routine, or that was the part when they were dancing up the side of the building, or there's just some very key scenes here that are very entertaining to watch. So I I just think it might be the first time that I can say that scenery from a musical is the first thing that I think of when I hear about a musical, like if you were to be like in the Heights, all of these scenes would be coming to mind more so than the songs. But, um, and that's not to take away from the the music itself. I think the music is great, but I think that's just more to emphasize how beautiful this movie is. So, um, but yeah. And then I think, I don't know. I think that this was, um, it, it really does kind of put you in the world of these people, right? Like it really, it just really makes you feel like you're in the Heights with them, (laughs) like that, you know, these people and, you know, like everybody knows everybody and you just say hi to people on, on the street next to you. And you're just like, Oh yeah, I know you. Like it just, it felt like a neighborhood of people who just know each other. And I really like how they did that. Um, and I did like the relationship between Sonny and Usnavi I thought that their relationship was great, and I loved the whole storyline of how he wanted, you know, to spend money on him so that he could be there legally and they couldn't have a chance to kick him out. And I just really, I liked that storyline. I liked what they did with that. Um, 
And I did like, um, not Vanessa. Who's the other one again? I forget her name again. Nina. Um, yeah, Nina. Nina. Yes. I was going to say uh, Leslie because I think that's her real name. But um, yeah, Nina. I loved her storyline too. I like, I, I just thought hers was so interesting. And I think that she played that part really well. And as much as I do think everybody acting wise and performance wise brings it, I, I honestly, Vanessa for me kind of falls in the background. Like I know she's supposed to kind of be the the female lead or one of the female leads of this. And she's not bad at all. Like she's doing a good job, but I just feel like she's a little bit outshined by everybody else. And I don't know if that's her specific story doesn't interest me as much or if it's just something about her, like, it's not really her, but it's just something about that, that it's, it takes kind of a backseat to everything else and every other character in this movie for me. Um, so, and, and I don't know if that's just me or not, but that I, I just think that she was the least, I was least interested in her character in this whole movie. So, um, but yeah, I just, I do think that her dynamic though with Usnavi, I actually just think Usnavi's chemistry with everybody that he goes up against in this movie or everybody that he is on screen with, is just very good. It feels natural. It feels like he does actually know these people and he's known them for years. And I just think that it just works really well in whatever scenario it is. And I think of the scenes with Usnavi and Vanessa I think he kind of elevates it more than she does. Um, and then I think that Benny and Nina, I think they have great chemistry and I think they're super cute. And I kind of wish they were a real couple cause that's, it's super cute. But I, I think that their love story was also more interesting to me. So it, it's very odd because it's not like there's something specifically against Vanessa's, you know, performance or anything, but it just, yeah, like love story wise, individual story wise, she just wasn't really standing out to me. But, um, again, everybody brings it and does a great job. I just think it might be her storyline is less of something I was, uh, worried about, I guess. But I even think Usnavi and the grandmother character, are great. Their chemistry together, you could tell they're just very close. And I just liked the grandmother's character in general and how she was like sort of the life force of this neighborhood, you know, where, where everybody knew her and it was just a huge family where they're like, Hey, let's just go to her house. You know, like that, that was just kind of the known thing and just how much you, you could tell she loved all of these people and knew them individually and knew them very personally. And it was a genuine love for all of these people. And, um, I just, I think she was kind of the heart of the Heights for them. And I, I just, I love what she represented in this film. Um, and I'm just glad that they put that kind of a character in this because I think that's, it, it does, it does make it feel more like a real neighborhood of like, oh yeah, you mean like the old lady who takes everybody in and cooks for them all. And there's, there's that lady in all these neighborhoods, you know, there's that lady that I think so many people know, or maybe it's their own grandmother, but I just feel like it's just a very relatable thing. And I, I just really enjoyed 
who her character was and what she represented and even just what she represented as far as her family and just all the hard work that growing up and being raised, like all of the hard work that she had to put into where she was. And then the fact that even when she was able to make it a little bit more on her own, she wanted to be there with them. Like that was her family. And it was just a really cool full circle type of story that they gave her. And I thought it was great. Um, I really should have seen that it was going to be her who got that lottery ticket and she was just hiding it because she didn't want anything to change with her neighborhood. But for whatever reason, I didn't see that coming. I knew somebody was going to have that and it was going to play a part later. But for whatever reason, I didn't connect that it was going to be the grandma. Don't know why. Did anybody else catch that? Yeah, you're kind of on your own on that one. (laughs) You kind of knew that that was going to happen. Yeah, it just kind of seemed obvious because she was the one character that they hadn't talked about with it yet. But they made a big Mm -hmm. deal of her buying one at the beginning. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I guess I forgot that detail, but and and it's not like it's like, oh, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But it was like a more of, oh, man, you know what? I, I should have caught that they were going to do that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I also I really enjoyed the um, the fireworks part of it, like all the fireworks that were happening. And actually, I liked that song a lot, too. But it was that I loved like the evening you know, everyone's dancing in the streets and then there's the fireworks going off and the lights and everything. I think that that was stunning and so beautiful. And it makes, it makes the movie just come alive when they do things like that. So yeah. Um, I think that it was, I I, I do feel like I knew that Usnavi was not going to leave the Heights I, I saw that coming. Um, I also think it's funny how they talk about where he got his name from <laughs> because his dad saw the U.S. Navy ship. I thought that was like a funny little detail to put into it, and I thought that was that was great. So, um, but yeah, I just I think that it's a really um, I don't know. It's just a very hopeful and heartfelt movie, and I just feel like it's very. You you feel like you're in their world. It's very much a captivating movie in that way. For me, it was at least. I, I just really appreciate what they did with it, and um, yeah, and and just kind of how they make these characters that are like people you know. Like I said, the the old lady, the grandma of the neighborhood, and then there's the the hair salon ladies who are all best friends, and they're all like the gossip queens and know everything going on, and you know, just the, the kids who leave for school and then they come back and like, they're the prodigal children. Like there's just, it's in a sense, like the stereotypical, like characters from a neighborhood, but they do it in a fresh way or they do it in a way where you don't feel like they're being very like, yeah, obviously that's what they're doing. Like they, they do it in a creative way. So I appreciated that. Um, Yeah, it's just everything about this. I honestly, and it's not a perfect movie in any sort of way. It has a lot of flaws in the things that you guys have talked about already. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. But for whatever reason, nothing took me out of enjoying this movie. And I, I just think that there's something to be said for, you know, 
a musical where everything going on visually on the screen is just as important as what's being sung or what's happening in the music at the time. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, I don't know. It's one of those that I would absolutely watch again. And I just really think it's, it's a hopeful, it ends on such a hopeful note and it just gives you these really motivating vibes of like, you know, I want to be proud of who I am and where I came from and, you know, things like that. And I, I just, I love that that's what they were doing this with this movie. But I think that's all I have for now. I might chime into some other stuff that you guys say, though. Justin, what about you? Okay, so yeah, you guys definitely um, brought up some interesting points with this. And yeah, Sterling, I just... um. Man, I just didn't have any of those audio issues with uh, with the Nina character or Leslie Grace's character. I, I just, man, I just did not catch any of that. I thought that, and really, I do agree with you guys that I do think that she was one of the best characters in this, the Nina character. And I guess, in a way, I could really relate to that character because in some ways I've been that character, you know, I was kind of in, in, in a similar way, you know, I, in a similar way, I went off to college and there was like this certain expectation of me and stuff like that. And then there was kind of the coming back and having to face what, what I really wanted to do and what, what were my, and what direction I was going to go and things like that. So I saw a lot of myself in this character. I've had a similar journey to that character. So she just stood out to me. And whenever there were things she was trying to say to her father and you could tell that she was trying to give him those cues, but he wasn't picking up on them. And he kind of had his thought of what he wanted his daughter to be and what and and what her goals were and what she was supposed to be to that neighborhood and everything like that and the one that made it through school and stuff like that and then and it just completely clashed with the vision that she had for herself and so I totally got all that I think that they did a great job especially in her song highlighting the pressure that she was under um, what she was d- dealing with internally and how coming back was scary for her because then it was like not only are you facing the old neighborhood and people and everything like that, but you're all but you're also facing everybody's expectations and things like that. So I just really liked the complexity of that character journey. So I thought that she was um Definitely one of the standout characters story-wise in this. And yeah, I think that um, Anthony Ramos or Usnavi and um, Sonny, I did like that relationship um, with them. I mean, the moment that it started where they're both um, trying to run this store, they just had a chemistry right off the bat to me. And they were both just very compelling right off the bat. And then as the film unpeels these layers about what was going on with Sonny and what he was trying to do and how Usnavi was, uh, how much he cared for him and, and how he tried to, 
when he was thinking about leaving and everything or was on the verge of leaving and everything for the beach and um, for his home um, in Puerto Rico and, and everything that he wanted to leave behind with Sonny and a way for him to get his citizenship and things like that and pursue his education and stuff like that. I just really thought that that was a great story and that was just a great look into the the, the relationship of those two and how much Usnavi cared for him. So I thought that that was great. Um, and the other characters I liked too. I liked um, Vanessa's story, though it wasn't as compelling. I agree. It wasn't as compelling or complex as the Nina character. I still like that the fact that all of these characters kind of had uh, um, what he called a little dream or an identity that they were trying to reach or they all had this kind of goal or they, they all had this way that they related to not only their hometown and their community and everything like that, but also their individuality and what they were trying to do. So I just liked how all of those stories kind of converge in this narrative and so it makes for just some great scenes with these characters and things like that and i agree with you both the scene with um with Corey hawkins and and leslie grace the the benny nina scene where they're dancing um on the side of the building is and everything i thought that that was great i thought that was a beautiful scene it kind of um I didn't see it coming at all when uh, the you know the, at first they're just kind of there and I thought maybe there's there's going to be like this love singing number or something like that and then all of a sudden he takes her by the hand and then the, he jumps up on the side of the building and I'm like whoa what what's happening and so that kind of caught me off guard a little bit just the way that the because vi visually you almost have to like you almost have to tell your eyes, okay, we're going sideways, and now you're seeing it kind of a different way. But I really thought that was a beautiful scene, and the way, and like you guys said, the way that they played with the choreography and how sometimes you could, it almost felt like gravity would kick in, and a character would kind of fall back like they were almost losing gravity, but then they would just kind of float back and do another dance number or spin around or twirl or whatever, and it was just to me, that was just a very well done scene. And and yeah, I agree with Sterling. Yes, I could see some of the CGI elements of it. But yeah, it really just kind of paled in comparison to the choreography and just uh, the, the vocals and just visually what was going on. So yeah, that was just a very uh, visually present scene, pleasant scene. And I think that um, that... Um, that Carnival del Barrio song, that that was one of my favorite ones with everybody dancing and the community kind of being down and coming together and kind of that sense of camaraderie that they all had to kind of get themselves all out of that slump. I, I just really liked that scene, and I thought that it was uh, very catchy. And, Sterling, you mentioned uh, Dasha Palazzo from... Orange is the New Black. And yeah, I agree with you. I liked her in Orange is the New Black, but this was definitely a different kind of role for her and it was and it was cool to kind of see her um in a much different light than what she was in Orange is the New Black and I mean in this she was just confident and just like, you know, just 
just like super like sexy and just like super like just vibrant she was just very vibrant in this movie and that stood out to me i was like man anytime those hairdresser characters were on screen she just kind of stood out to me like i just couldn't help but watch her and couldn't help but look at her so like um I just really thought that th- that those ladies just really brought an energy to this and a confidence to this and 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 a and just a sense of culture to this and and I'm pretty sure that there are people like that and there are probably some people that that that, that can relate to those characters. So I just really thought that all that was great. And the hair salon scene was great too, you know, that song tell me something that I don't know. Like, that was a cool song, too. I thought that that was very well done in that um, hair salon with everybody. So anytime these main characters would have these interactions with these side characters, um, I just thought that it was uh, very well done stuff. And, um, And back to our main character, Anthony, and his story. I just really appreciated how that all came together at the end. And just this idea that, you know, that perhaps um, in wanting to go to his home and his beach in Puerto Rico, that realization that he was actually missing the beach that was created at his current home there in the Heights and just the understanding of that and the appreciation of that and him saying, you know, I made my beach here. I made my happiness here. So even though I thought that I had to go to this one place and that that was my identity and that was where I was supposed to be. Just that realization that sometimes you can make your passion where you are. You can make your identity where you are. Where you are can become your identity. It can become a real home, even though that's not where you began. And I think that that's very relatable and that is very like reflective and it almost kind of reminds me a little bit of um soul in a way just that message about you know the whole thing in that was your passion isn't necessarily your identity and it's about kind of understanding these other aspects of life that truly make you who you are and so in this i feel like the character has a similar um realization So I really just appreciated all that. And it's funny because I know you weren't on it, Sterling, but even in Minari, there are similar realizations made. So I don't know. All this year, it seems like, oh, well, I guess technically so was last year, but it seems like these movies are starting to creep up and talk about this idea of what your passions are, what your um, purpose is, and what your identity is, and how sometimes really in thinking that in having this kind of idealized view that your identity and passion is one thing, you are missing that really you have made an that there really is an identity and a thing that you have made where you are and with the little things and the other people in the community and things like that. That can be an identity too. That can be something worth cherishing. That can be something worth sticking with. 
and seeing where that goes and growing with that and things like that. So I just thought that that was a great message and it was very reflective and definitely in today's times, it's definitely something to think about and something to consider. So anytime a movie gets me to be reflective or think about my situation or others and things like that, I'm going to appreciate it. And when you have a musical as visually spectacular as this, and then on top of that, it has something very um, thought-provoking and... um, and something that 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 has very much depth to say, it, even in all of the music and the dancing and the impressive visuals and all that, having something to say still just to me gives it that much more value. So yeah, I really appreciated all that in the film. As far as a negative, I mean, narratively, the only thing that was kind of awkward to me was the scene with um, the the nightclub scene with. Vanessa and Usanavi and how they kind of gotten mad at each other. I'm glad you said that. That was way too contrived. And that didn't feel very authentic to me. As a matter of fact, that was probably one of the, if not the least authentic thing in the film. That just felt like we got to be mad at each other because this is the point in the story where we're mad. That didn't feel earned to me at all. It just kind of felt like, okay, she was dancing with other people. You said she could. Then you were dancing with other people and now all of a sudden we're mad. I don't know. I just didn't like how they got to that point. I think there needed to be a different way to get to that point. And ultimately, you know, we had a death in the family and so it was almost like, and we had the blackout. So it almost meant nothing. You know what I mean? Like we woke up the next day and we were fine. So it was kind of like, uh, what was, what even was that? So yeah, that was just kind of the only part narratively that was a bit disjointed for me. But yeah, that was probably the biggest glaring dislike. Uh, everything else I really appreciated about the film. No, I'm really glad you brought that up, Justin, because if you didn't, I was about to bring it up because Heather reminded me about it when she was talking about Vanessa. Because I'm not going to lie, compared to a lot of the characters in this, I cared the least about Vanessa's story. So I kind of just didn't think about it when I was talking earlier. And then when Heather brought up (laughs) Vanessa and stuff, I was like, oh, my God, that fight with Usnavi was the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. Yeah, that was really stupid. (laughs) Like, on yeah. both of their characters, because Usnavi's like, man, you were dancing with half the heights. Motherfucker, she was trying to tell that guy no, and you told her to, tell, like, dance with him. Like, don't right. even act like that. Like, he's like, man, I can't believe you danced with that guy that you said no to that I made you dance with. Cool. Right. And then she's like, I can't believe that we <laughs> did dance even though we didn't dance enough. Like, you abandoned me. Like, but I mean, she was like, well, that's what it was when she's like, you abandoned me in there. I'm like, no, he was just being a dumbass that went to the bar when you said no, like to a drink. (laughs) That's not abandoning you. You knew exactly where the fuck he went. Don't act like that. Like (laughs) both of them were just going to extremes for no reason. Like you said, other than this is the part of the story where you fight. So here's the Mm -hmm. fight. That was, like, the most middle school fucking dance type of, like, reasoning to fight I've ever fucking seen in a movie about yeah, adults. Yeah, it was 
so unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. And it just didn't, and like I said, it just didn't feel earned. It didn't even feel like anything these good-natured characters would do. Like. Exactly. Like, they would it never didn't have... even feel like something. Yeah, they would. It didn't even feel like those characters would jump to those conclusions about each other, you know? I mean, it just made it seem like it was a dumb reason to just get Usnavi home for Abuela to die. That was the reason of the yeah. fight, was to get him home in time for Abuela to die. Right. But mm-hmm. When all it really would have taken, what, what they should have done is they should have been at the fucking dance club. They could have done the whole thing where he's like, no, go dance with that guy. And then everybody would be like, oh, look what you're doing. And then him like, go fuck this. And then they start dancing. And then the lights go out. And then they're like, well, what do we do now? Everything's out. And then they go, well, let's just go to Abuela's. And then Vanessa could go to Abuela's with him. Right. Then she die. And then him just kind of take it so hard, and, like, initially, that, like, that's what strains them, is he just closes himself off right. from her when she dies. Yeah. That's how you do that. You, you keep pretty much the exact same overall storyline without it getting dumb. You know? I agree. Because it also felt at that point like they they knew each other, but you feel like they didn't really know each other, know each other, because he was always too nervous to talk to her and all this stuff that it was like it escalated quickly to for no reason. <laughs> like, it, you know what I mean? It was like they had this huge blowout over, like, I wanted to dance with you and you didn't want to dance with me, but we really both did. And, um, you know, it, it was just like, he felt like it just felt like they I think earned is the best word to say it for for it. Justin is like that didn't feel earned because I don't even feel like there you didn't even get to see like much of their relationship developing before that happened. So it just felt kind of weird and cheap, I guess. Well, everything about their relationship just seemed weirdly forced at a rapid pace. Like, you know, they kind of go on their first date, but had to have their first fight real quick. And then they had to kind of make up real quick because he was going to move, but didn't move and waited to move. And then they fell in love with each other and kept the shop. Like, it was just everything was so fast in their relationship. Like you did. And like you said, they, you know, they knew each other, but did they, they didn't act like they really knew each other, but then they would say things that would elude that they've known each other for years, but the, it's like they really had never talked. But then you look at like, what's it, uh, Nina and Benny's relationship. You felt their history. Like you felt right. their history. Yeah, you, you, you did. You, you know, you get all these elements to elude that they had a relationship. There was dialogue that alluded to it. But then like Justin always says, it's a movie show. Don't tell. They told they had other relationship, but you also saw it in their actions. You heard it in their like in their words. You 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 saw it in their mannerisms that there was a history to their relationship, right? Whereas Usnavi and Vanessa at times seemed like they were fucking complete strangers, and then at times were I guess childhood friends from school, and were at times you know what I mean like. Yeah, it was so fucking wildly all over the place. 
And maybe, I do yeah. love that they kind of made fun of the fact that she's so serious about like everything must happen so I can leave this place. Like when they're at the pool and like <laughs> joking about like, what would you do if you won the lottery? And, you know, she's being all serious about it. And he's like, we're just joking around, but okay. <laughs> like, I thought that was funny. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they know each other in that scene. Right. But then, like later on when he's like, you know, talking about like her art and her fashion design and all this other stuff. It seems like they've been best friends for nine years, like, or 9,000 years. Like it's and so And those parts were great. All over like the when they had, when they had that chemistry, it was great because you felt like, Oh, that's cute. But then it went back to like, Oh, I don't even really know you. Yeah. But unfortunately you got that chemistry very little. And at the end. Yeah. Other than that, they just kept alluding to stuff, but, like, in a dumb way. Like, if they seemed more like friends in, like, in a lot of that stuff, then it would make more sense when everybody was, like, kind of always, like, making fun of them for having crushes on each other but not saying it. Because everyone did that to both of them. But then when they were around each other, they didn't act like it. Like, they did, but they didn't, you know? Like... They kind of would, but it was always like, it's like they have crushes on each other from afar. And you don't want to see that in a movie. That's boring. I don't (laughs) want to see people like having crushes on each other, just like staring longingly at each other from a distance. That's boring as fuck. I want some playful banter. I want some coy dialogue. I want some flirtatious shit. That gets the romance moving. That's what you want. And you just didn't really get that in this. And also, just for for accuracy's sake, Usnavi was going to the Dominican Republic, not Puerto Rico, as Justin said. Just so people know, we know the difference. Yeah, no, I knew what you meant. And it's one of those things anybody that really knows or listens to this would know what you meant. But there's probably some asshole somewhere that was sitting there going, what does Justin know? It was the Dominican Republic, not Puerto Rico. No, we know. Calm down. We got you. We got your back, Jasmine. My bad. My bad. Um, so do you guys want to go into the controversy of this movie a little bit? Let's do it. Yes. So weirdly enough, this movie is not without controversy. Uh, so this movie, um, a group essentially, um, Afro Latinx, uh, the well members some members of the afro latinx community have kind of uh called out this movie because it kind of like underrepresents them especially in washington heights and more or less regu- uh relegates the uh, like members of the, or they feel like this movie more or less relegates them to just background characters and not kind of showing that they could be a main character or something like that. Um, Lynn Manuel Miranda came out saying, uh, you know, he did apologize for it. That that wasn't his intent. He was he was trying to be, uh, or trying to show as much representation as he could, not realizing that he failed in it, and uh, but did acknowledge that people were disappointed in him with it, and that he does take that seriously and he's he's learning from it 
like he he learned how what he thought was representation in a lot of ways did let did let some people down and that in 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 learning from that he wants to move that forward and he wants to uh do better in the future like he wants to uh learn and do better in the future with stuff like this so with that since none of us are afro latinx we did talk about this before we recorded that we don't really feel like we necessarily have the ability to necessarily comment directly on that aspect of it because we don't really know what it is and we don't necessarily want to speak for them or like down to them about what it is. So we did talk about maybe taking this moment though to kind of still just use that to discuss how representation has changed over the last few years even and where we can go in the future with it. Like just kind of talk about more about just representation of movies and media and in general. And uh, Justin, go ahead and start us off. Well, or I, I mean, I say start us off. What are your thoughts on all this is what I'm saying. Like start us off like, Oh, like this is a segment. No, like what are your thoughts? <laughs> yes. Um, I, yeah, I think that um, what you said there is, is the, is just the correct way to go. You know, I, I would never try to speak for that community or try to comment on their feelings or anything like that. I mean, all I can do is just feel that their feelings are valid and Lin-Manuel apologizing to them and saying, you know, I goofed up on this and I, and I see what you mean and I will be better. And him apologizing to me must mean that that part of the, that that sect of the community was correct in some of their feelings and things like that. And just being a minority and just coming from um, a place where I have been in that situation of wanting to see myself represented more on screen or wanting to see more things kind of celebrating the culture and things like that on screen. So, you know, I I can be empathetic in that way, but I would never try to speak for though for for their feelings or anything like that. But just to give kind of an overall uh, thought about it. I think that if anything, though, you know, regardless of how you feel, I mean, I don't know if Lin, Lin Manuel deserves any kind of punishment or anything for this. I wouldn't say boycott this movie or I don't think I would go that far. But if anything, it just shows how long of a way we have to go here in Hollywood when it comes to representation and how even when you're your intentions are good because I think that it's fair to say that Lin-Manuel had a lot of representation in this movie. And I talked about like not only the color representation, but the body representation that he had in this of just having, um, all types of shapes and sizes of people be represented in these dance numbers and be a part of the community and everything like that. And it really just kind of gave this film its personality and what to me makes it stand out from a lot of other musicals um, in this genre. So 
But even with all of that, you can still misrepresent. Even when your intentions are good and you are a minority yourself, there, there's, there, there's still something that you could be missing. There's still a perspective that maybe you don't have or aren't seeing whenever you watch these things. And, um, and you know, if, if Sterling, if you hadn't brought this up or hadn't really made brought this news to my attention this would have totally gotten by me because i am not of that culture and i wouldn't have seen those things or wouldn't have thought about those things i i just watched it and thought that oh man this is full of representation and i was happy about it until you told me this story and then that realization that oh man but we didn't quite represent everyone as well as we could have or it's not entirely a true representation of of Washington Heights and the people who live in that area. And that's unfortunate. But if there's anything we can take away from this, it's like I said, the the, the road is going to be long. And I just encourage people out there, if you're ever feeling misrepresented or you ever feel like something is claiming to represent you or your culture and everything like that, but there are these clear things that these people are missing or there's this artistic vision, but it's not quite what um, you feel is representing your respective group. Speak up about it like these people did. Speak up about it. Let people know that, hey, this is not a proper representation because just like when we talked about the the white savior in the white savior episode, um, we're going to speak up when we see it. We're, I'm going to speak up constantly when I see things like that in films and when I see narratives that are represented that way. And I feel like all cultures, when they're represented sh- or misrepresented in a lot of ways, should do that. The only way that we're going to hold Hollywood accountable and our cinema accountable and movies and really anything, our government, jobs, anything, is to speak up when we see these when we see this lack of representation speak up when we see people misrepresented that's the only way that we can get better so i feel like in this situation i feel like lin manuel is genuine in this i feel like he will do better and i hope he does and i'm gonna be one now one of the people trying to hold them to that. I'm also going to do more research myself on these people that felt like they were misrepresented so that I can better understand uh, where these people are coming from and what they're complaining about. I'll probably watch a few videos and read some stuff just to gain some more knowledge on that. But that really is the best we can do. We got to keep speaking out. We got to keep speaking up. And that's the only way I think things will get better, whether you're talking about Hollywood representation or anything else. I mean, just to even kind of show how complicated of a thing it is and that it's not a simple thing is even with myself, who I do feel like I am like a very open-minded person and all this other stuff. Like even then subconsciously, we're talking about something that deals with race and stuff like that. And I automatically throw it to the black person on the podcast right off the bat. It kind of just happens. That was not intentional. But I realized that right after I threw it to you, Jess, I was like, damn, it just creeps in there all the time, doesn't it? Like, biases kind of just creep in if you don't consciously, like, look out for stuff. And, And 
consciously, you know, hold yourself accountable, you can unknowingly do something like that. I just pulled a Lin-Manuel right now. And that's my mea culpa on that. Heather, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I agree. I think that Lin-Manuel Miranda is genuinely sorry about this because I feel like he's just so supportive of making sure there's so much representation for um, the Latinx culture. And I feel like, he really is just like, no, like I, I definitely, I feel like he's like a constructive criticism type of person where he's just like, tell me these things because I want to make stuff for everybody, you know? So I I do feel like he's genuinely, like he genuinely meant his apology. And I I just think it's, you know, I, I completely understand, you know, again, not coming from that background. Like I wouldn't have caught this either, you know? Um, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have specifically noticed those things, but, um, you know, my understanding too, is that this is a movie or a musical that was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda about where he grew up and the people that he was around and all of that. And so, you know, it, it seems like there are just very specific characters in this film that I feel like, and I, I could be wrong and I should maybe research it, but I feel like he based them probably on people that he knew in some form or fashion. And maybe that specific group wasn't, maybe he just didn't know any of them well enough, or, you know, he, he didn't have any kind of a close relationship with them specifically. You never really know. But again, um, he could have, if that was the case, he could have taken the route of being like, oh, you know what? I just didn't know anybody like that when, when I was in, in that area or when I was growing up or when I was writing this or whatever it may be. So maybe that's not it. But at the same time, like, I just, I feel like what he did here with this movie is such a great thing. Um, I, I think it has, I, I mean, and it's not to discredit anybody else's feelings about it because I totally get it. But I do just think that it is a huge step forward in celebrating that diversity and that representation. And I I think it's, even though it's not perfect, and I think even Lin-Manuel realizes that, that it's kind of, there was a misstep there. I think it is, in general, it's a really good, huge step forward um, for representation like that. And so I, I I just think that there is something to be said for what he's done in that regard. Um, even though it's not perfect, the fact that he wants to have this platform for all types of different diversity in all sorts of ways, I think that it's great. And I think that he's really, I think for the most part, he is doing a really great job of doing that with the things that he's making. So, um, I, I do, I, I feel for the, for the people that are, watching this that are just kind of like, you know what, this doesn't represent me. I'm not represented here. I completely feel for them and I can't take away from that. That's, that's a real thing. But I just really, I, I just know that for me, my experience walking out of this specific film was just saying, it's so awesome to just represent wherever you've come from. And I just think that that was a great message throughout this movie. And I really just think that he did make a huge step forward 
for that from here on out, I feel like that's kind of going to be a standard now, or it should be if it's not. So I, I do think that he is more helpful than he's harmful in those things, especially because you, you can absolutely tell that this was not an intentional leaving anybody out situation. So that's what I think about it. I think the best thing to come out of this though, is how it spotlights the complexity of the issue of representation. I think too often anti-representation people simplify it too much and eliminate the nuance of what it truly is. When you have these people that are calling out representation, saying that it's going overboard and that people are forcing it and all this other stuff, they're getting rid of the complexity of it and they're trying to simplify it because they act like if you have one black character in a show, we'll see there's representation. That's one form of representation. And that's maybe. It could also just be straight up tokenism, which is a false representation. And they just argue that, you know, it's, it's there, so why, you know, why do we need to keep fighting for it and all this other stuff? And that's because it's complex. That you can, you can go out of your way to have representation for a lot of cultures. But then within that community that you're representing, still misrepresent or not represent people. You know, like this movie, I do feel is a big step forward for the Latinx community. But at the same time, still kind of furthers the non-representation of the Afro-Latinx community. You know, because they are a smaller subset of the community. They have even less representation in media than the normal Latinx community. And so it's even furthered in something like this. And so it shows that it's complex. And that just like humanity is complex and made up of all these different people, representation's going to be messy. And just because it's messy doesn't mean that we we shouldn't and can't strive for it, though. And it's one of those things when you are represented in something, it's very easy to overlook what's not being represented. I mean, at times, for me, is it hard to completely relate to people talking about representation? Yes. Mainly because... There really hasn't been any point in my life that somebody like me hasn't been represented in a movie and TV show. So at times it is kind of hard to legitimately and completely empathize with it to the degree that like, I, I can say that I know what they're going through. I can empathize and just accept the fact that somebody is saying they're not being represented in something and believing them when that's said even though I can't relate. And I think that that's kind of where like Lin-Manuel is in this 
because he thought he was doing something about representation in this movie. And I think part of it is because he was making something that was like that represented him and who he was that he missed the people that weren't being represented. And you know, that happens, but that doesn't mean that you just accept it off its back or or at face value. You just, you have to do what Lin-Manuel did and go, look, I messed up. That wasn't my intent. I will learn from this and I will do better. And ultimately, as long as you actually commit to doing that, then you're moving, you're moving things forward. If you do actually commit to doing that, and it's not just lip service. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm glad that it shows how complex it is, you know, because, because like I said, growing up as just a white guy, it's been pretty easy for me to feel represented in things. And it's, it's, it's funny sometimes how you'll look at something and you don't see it as something that people have never had before until like a movie comes out and they do have it and how much that changes things. Like I said, I was talking about the, the remake of Ghostbusters and how like so many people were mad about it because it was like a women-led cast and all this other stuff. I didn't see a problem with that. Not that I liked the movie, but that the, the cast being women was not the issue with it. But like, I didn't, you know, going into that, I didn't think about how like women hadn't had like representation in that type of role before. Like, you know, like I've said before on the podcast, like I was talking to a guy and he was talking about how because of that movie, his daughter now wanted to be a Ghostbuster for, like, Halloween. Like, you know what I mean? And that was something that I never thought of before. That's cool. Not yeah. being a thing, you know? Because I was a Ghostbuster for Halloween once. So it just, to me, I never made the, the, cor- the correlation that somebody didn't feel like they could be a Ghostbuster before until they saw this movie. And, like, that, that, that story and that perspective really kind of opened my eyes to how important a lot of that stuff can be, you know? And it's, it seems so small. Yeah. Like, or it, not small. It, it seems so like you would think it, would, it sounds like easy, like, Oh, you just put women in a ghostbusters movie. Bam. Girls want to be ghostbusters now. Like that seems easy to do, but then it makes you wonder, well, why hadn't it happened before then? Like, and then the, like, as you go on and you, learn more about it and you and you read more about it and you understand more about it you do realize it's not necessarily an easy thing to do but that doesn't mean that it's not the right thing to do and it's not the thing that we should do yeah you know like i never really understood the importance of like like kids like black kids seeing a movie like the black panther and how that could legitimately change their perspective on things until that movie came out. And then you hear these stories and all this other stuff and you're like, Oh wow. Like that's powerful. Like the, how simple it seems like just make the movie and, and how much it changes, you know? And while I have, like I said, been fortunate that I've never had to have that feeling. I, I, appreciate the fact that now 
people are striving for it, to give other people that feeling. Because of just like I said, how profound it can be by just making the movie. Like, make the movie that has, like, you know, these authentic characters and how that can actually just change people's lives. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and, and like Justin said, the, like, the, the way you hold people accountable for it is you have to call them out, even if it's somebody you like. Like, I feel like these people that are calling out Lynn manuel in this like Lynn manuel and that's why they feel the need to, to point this out to him, because they do see him as somebody that is an ally and that he will take it as a learning experience. And he won't just be like, well, get over it. It's my movie. Like, it's the play I wrote. Get over it. Like, they, because they want to just see the change. Right. And that's why you could, you could call him out on it because he'll go, you're right. And I will learn from this. Right. And, and, and move yeah. things forward. You know, because the people that aren't going to move it forward are the ones that are going to be like, well, fuck you. I don't care. And it's good to know who those people are because then you can decide whether or not, you know, you want to see their next movie or whether or not like the studio wants to hire them for something. Like it's important to know these things because ultimately your dollars decide some of these things like I personally am boycotting M night Shyamalan <laughs> after I yes, saw the visit, the visit in theaters, I have refused to ever watch a new M night Shyamalan movie from that point on. Yes. We did talk about the visit and stuff like that. And I did buy that movie, but that's because I had already seen it. So I, I, that was my deep. That was my point of demarcation. <laughs> yeah, I refuse to see anything else by him, like new from him, at that point. And while does M Night Shyamalan directly care that my, you know, eight dollars of box office is not going to him? Probably not. But just maybe, other people might end up feeling the same, and then people's his movies make less and less, and then he just goes the fuck away. That's what <laughs> yeah. I'm striving for. One ticket at a time. And that same mentality can be used for representation and stuff like that. When when movies fail, and drastically so, not seeing the movie can send them a message. Now, do studios always learn the right message with that shit? No. No, they do not. But... That's when you can use things like Twitter and stuff like that. You can use social media to at least say why you're not. And maybe if enough people end up seeing it, maybe the studio might hear something for fucking once. And maybe we won't get Emma Stone as a fucking half Asian Hawaiian person in a fucking movie with blonde hair. God, that was fucking dumbass casting, man. I'm not necessarily blaming her. I'm a little bit, but who the fuck makes that movie? Come on, get over it. Like, what are they doing? There's a reason why that movie bombed. Also, the movie's just shitty. 
but a bomb nonetheless. What was another? There was another movie where they recently did that. Oh, yeah, Ghost in the Shell. What the fuck was Scarlett Johansson doing with that shit? Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I mean, and I know they wrote into the movie that wasn't, like, wasn't she, like, a Japanese person, like, using that body or something like that? And what they Yeah, something like that. That's what they wrote into the movie? Just so they could justify having Scarlett Johansson be that character? Fuck off. Wow. Fuck off. I mean, and Scarlett didn't help it out either when she was like, I don't understand what the problem was with any of this is. If I want to play that character, I can. If I want to be a tree, I can. I'm like, really? Really, Scarlett? She has since apologized and backtracked, but... I was about to say, I bet she probably doesn't feel that way now. (laughs) Yeah, but it is so fucking dumb. I mean, it's just, you know, it's fucking dumb with the way some of these people act like with some of that shit. You know who you haven't heard say that shit? Meryl Streep, and that's why she's the GOAT. I can agree with that, yeah. Yeah, but it all kind of goes back to what you said about, or, or what we've been saying about how complex this is and how, you know, the when you have so much representation, it, the, the more representation you have, the harder it's going to be for you to see those that are misrepresented, the harder it's going to be. And just like in this situation where Lin-Manuel um, did not factor or at least thought he factored in enough, the, the Afro-Latina community, but didn't. And a part of that is because, you know, like we said, you know, it's just the perspective that you have sometimes means that you will not see, you won't always catch or you won't always see when something's not being represented. And I can't really speak for like the Afro-Latina community or anything like that, but I definitely understand that a little bit in the black community because, I mean, because yes, me being a black individual, um, and pretty much I'm like, um, you know, I'm not the darkest tone. I'm probably like right there in the middle. I'm not the lightest. I'm not the darkest. I'm kind of right there in the middle of the road, uh, brown tone. But there's a difference in how darker, much darker skinned black people get treated too. You know, there's... um. I know that for a long time, and I think some of this is still prevalent, although you see a lot of, like, like dark skin, like black African models and stuff like that. You see a, a few of them more, but that was a real thing, too. Like, and I know that I've talked to some, like, dark skin people and them talking about how lighter skinned black people would just, would, like, make fun of them. You know, like they would be made fun of for just being dark or too dark or whatever the case may be. And so the way that those people see themselves on screen and represent it is even though we are both black, because they are a much darker tone than me, there still could be some differences that I can't see. 
you know, even though I am black just like them. So those differences do exist. And I want to say there was a show, I saw a clip of a show called Blackish where I think they talked about that a little bit. Um, oh, they have a whole episode about it. Yeah. Yeah, about how the the darker you are and kind of the discrimination and the racism that can even exist in your own community because of how dark, because of you're of the darkest tone or whatever. That's a real thing. So, and I'm not saying it's the same as what like the Afro-Latinas are going through, but I'm just saying that on a certain level, I do understand because I've talked to people in my own community who have gone through a similar thing with representation and things like that. And they had to wake me up to a lot of things that I didn't even realize, you know? So again, it just speaks to how complex this is. And you're, and the, and the thing that you said that I love the most Sterling is that yes, the worst thing we can do is to try to simplify this and try to, categorize it and minimize it and just say as long as we've got one on this show or as long as we've got one Latina or one black or we've got representation for one specific Latino group it's okay and we've got to continue like we have said here we've got to continue to speak out until it's not okay we need to try to get to truly represent what our communities and our people and our cultures are regardless of how complex it is it's worth doing the work so i don't know i just thought i would add that since you know just because i can speak from that just from this perspective over here and i think it does sort of tie into what's going on with the lin-manuel situation i mean yeah like with the complexity of it all it's one of those things like and I asked you guys before we started recording this, like when we were just talking about in general this controversy with it, like when you watched it, did you think that there was like a representation issue? And both of you guys had said no. And it just shows that like like I said, when you're not a part of the specific community that's not being represented, it's sometimes hard to see it. It really is. And like I said, you just have to... I mean, it's something as simple as just believe the people that are saying it because they're the ones feeling it. It really is that simple in that mm-hmm. regard. It's just to believe them. Just go, I don't know what that feels like or I didn't see that, but you're saying that's the case because it is directly what's affecting you. I understand. Like, I believe you. Like, that's the part that's simple is. And that's like the best place to start with all of this. It's just when people from a specific community, especially, are saying that they're being misrepresented or there's a lack of representation, just believe them because there's a reason why they're saying it. And it really doesn't take much effort on a person's part to just believe them. You just hear the words they say and go, I believe that. It's very little effort to do that step. Now there is the important step afterwards of, you know, like Justin said, call out when you see it again. But that first step really is the easiest. And 
unfortunately, that's the step that most people are unwilling to take. Yep. I agree. All right. Did we put enough of a downer at the end of this episode? (laughs) I think so. Yes. I mean, it's one of those things, though, that like I, I say that and that is a joke, but it is still important, though. Like as much as it is unfortunate that we have to like talk about this with this movie, it still shows how important that subject is anyway. That that's the I guess I guess that's the one of the other steps with the whole representation too is sometimes it sucks that you have to have the conversation. You have to. I guess that's maybe the step before acting. I don't know. Uh, there's not really an order to these steps, but like that's a part of it is that when it happens, you still have to call it out, even when it's something that you do like. You know, just like the White Savior thing uh, episode we had. Some of those movies I like. And it sucks that we have to talk about them in that context. But you have to be real with it. If the shoe fits, it fits. So, anything else, guys, about this or just in the Heights in general? That'll be it for me. No, I'm good. And I think it's positive, man. I think um, hard conversations are sometimes the best ones. So, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying as far as, yes, it sucks we have to talk about it, but I think it's necessary, and I'm glad that we are not afraid to discuss these things, and I hope that more people that are reviewing these films and talking about these things and stuff like that, and I'm glad that you picked up on this, Sterling, and were aware of it so that we could talk about it, and I think it's important always to discuss those issues, so, yeah. I thought oh. it was tight that we discussed it. Oh, no, no. I agree that that it's positive that we talk about it. I'm just saying sometimes it sucks that it might be something you like that you have to have that conversation about. Oh, yeah. Yes. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that sucks. Like, it sucks that we have to have a representation conversation with this movie. You know? Like... From the outside looking in, you would think that this is a movie you don't have to have that conversation with. But we do, because it does still have that issue. It's just like with the white savior conversation, like, you know, you have to talk about Indiana Jones being a fucking white savior in Temple of Doom. What it is. You know, we all like Indiana Jones. There's some great fucking movies. But you have to be real about it, and it sucks that you have to call out, especially Temple of Doom, and go... That's a fucking white savior movie if I ever saw one. That is one of the most clear cut down the line. This is a fucking white savior movie of all. Like there's no gray area that is just straight up going. People in India don't know how to save themselves. Indiana Jones can do it though. So, yeah. Right. Anyway, on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Simmons Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or check us out on Facebook where we're Cinema Slayers Podcast or Twitter and Instagram where we're Cinema underscore Slayers. Uh, shout out to Plug Me, Go and Mundo for our music and logos respectively. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review. That'd really help us out. We'd really appreciate it. 
apparently we're the 152nd most popular uh, like entertainment, like movie, TV, podcast in Jamaica. Things like that, giving us five-star hey. rating reviews help us out with that stuff. That's where we get to be yeah. that random thing. Um, uh, tell your family. Tell your friends. Uh, tell your mothers. I don't know why I started saying all this shit about mothers with this. I just think it's ridiculous if I say mothers love me, especially the way I say fuck. Mothers just love the way I say fuck. It's just the tone of the voice. It sounds great when they hear it from me. And uh, as always, remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. singing i literally thought you were going to do the same thing but just saying in the heights over and over again because <laughs> like that's the only thing i remember from that song is in the heights like that's all i remember <laughs> so i thought you were going to just do that to so just say in the heights a bunch of different ways over and over again and and another thing i was about to say also but i intentionally tried to avoid it even though i just said it I think me saying mothers at the end is another version of me just saying also. It's just something that got stuck in my head and I just kept fucking going with it. <laughs> just like Jastin with the whole Moon Knight thing that is like the outro to every fucking episode now. It said, got said once and then I joked about it once and then I just kept doing it and now it's just a thing. <laughs> like I just... I don't know why. I think it's just because of how much I do say the word fuck. I think is why I centered on mothers want to hear me. Because I say fuck all the time. Even though I don't say that as my justification every time. I just think that's why I focused on mothers. Because everybody, I see. you know, every mother wants their child to grow up just to say fuck, just like me. Of you course. Ha- you have to admit, I'm one of the most natural fuck sayers, you know. <laughs> Yes. It never sounds forced when I say fuck. It sounds great. Sounds Correct. smooth. Sounds natural. I'm gifted. What can I say? <laughs>